This is it, what? The lady's talking to the kid and I ain't rich yet It's cause I throw a jeep so she gon' need a ribs check Shining even when it ain't sunny I'm a king, where the tip, son? I'm after the money and they said I'm in for meals Cause baby, I got the formula Classic after classic, man, I belong in the orchestra All these other rappers is only concerned with pouring up So finding better is about as likely as locking Jordan up I keep getting hotter while my trail still blazing Dames want a dollar, but for me they getting Nathan Ain't a nigga living that can cause me a problem Where this CJ, they don't belong in my column I'm so super rare, but they can't find another All these others, man, they come a dime a dozen What's up, what's up, what's good with it, everybody? We are back again for another episode of the Pick and Roll Podcast, man. I hope y'all staying safe out there. It's been a real rough time for not only me, but I know everybody else. And we figured we could bring y'all some quality content while all of this stuff is going on. But we got a special guest here with us today. But first and foremost, Sam, what up? What's good, world? We know it's been a minute, but we back. We back, man. It's been a little while, but... We figured we'd bring y'all some heat on this episode, man. We have a high school phenom on the show with us today, man. If you don't know who this is, you live under a rock, point blank, period. If you study the game of football, if you know anything about high school football, this name is ringing bells everywhere. We've got none other than South Carolina's own J.J. Jones on the episode with us today. J.J., what's up, baby? What's up, man? How y'all doing? We're doing good, man. We're doing good. <laughs> good to have you on here. For those who do not know, JJ is actually Sam's first cousin. So, there's rapport there, obviously. If you hear jabs going back and forth between them two, you'll know exactly <laughs> why. They're family. But, yeah, man, we, we're we glad to have you on the episode with us, man. We, we've been keeping an eye on you for, obviously, your whole life, basically. But for those who haven't been keeping up with you your whole life, man, we figured this would be a beneficial episode for them to actually know who you are. Before you know you actually hit that big stage, not this upcoming year, but next year going to college, man. But, yeah, we'll start it off with Sam. You got some questions you want to start off with? We'll, we'll both alternate on asking him some questions. You can go ahead and start it off, though. All right. Well, uh, first off, we just went, uh, want you to tell our listeners, um, tell us who J.J. is. Tell us a little bit about you. I'm J.J. Uh, football-wise, he's a, he's a guy that can go out there and give it 100%. I'm a big family man, and, you know, I like playing some video games, but, you know, I'm really competitive about pretty much everything I do. I feel that. I feel that. That's a, a nice introduction as to who you are. Uh, my first question for you is, for those who don't know, you actually uh, you play for uh, North Myrtle Beach, but you did transfer from Socasty, right? What was it? What was it like that yeah. transition? Was it was it difficult for you to move to Socasty or to move to North Myrtle Beach from Socasty? How was that? What was that transition like for you? Was it difficult? Uh, yeah, it's actually Myrtle Beach, but I mean, yeah, but you said Myrtle um, Beach, you know, what? Um, when I yeah, Myrtle Beach, it's called. Myrtle oh, Beach. just Myrtle. Myrtle, got you. All right, yeah, get that cleared <laughs> yeah, up. Myrtle, get that cleared Myrtle. up. We don't want nobody out there thinking. Yeah, just Myrtle. Just Myrtle. But um, yeah, it was it was I think a lot was really difficult. Um, just because South Carolina High School League and um, Soxie High School they they decided that they could declare me ineligible for the whole season. So um, you know, family and I we had to we had to get up and pick up and move from a house that we lived in for about ten years, and we had to move over here into the Myrtle Beach district just so I could transfer schools. 
because um, if I stayed in my old house, they would have declared me ineligible the whole season. Couldn't have played football, couldn't have played basketball, no spring sports. So, you know, we decided to move. And uh, I was still declared ineligible even when I moved into here. So we got some um, legal help. And a week of playing my old school soccer, I got declared ineligible the and then that, and when I say I turned up against them boys, uh, whew, compared to them. that's what I was about to say. Tell her, tell her what you did to them. Yeah, um, you know, first game back, three touchdowns, uh, two receiving touchdowns, 100, 185 yards, and a punt return for a touchdown. <laughs> they deserve they every bit of that. Yeah, yeah, they had to pay for it. Mm-hmm. That was that was nasty how they was trying to act. It was only it was only yeah, one Sam, way. You, your question now, Sam. But yeah, um, so yeah, for those of y'all who don't know, he he is a multiple sport athlete. Um, basketball. Um, he's a re- really good basketball player. And how when the last time you played baseball? Have you, did you play baseball in high school at all? Uh, yeah, I played baseball my freshman and my sophomore year. But you know, I kind of only got that out the way. Started getting a little too boring. Okay. Um. So here today, these kids they they usually most kids only play one sport. Um. Can you talk to us about what you think some of the advantages of playing multiple sports are? Um. I mean, yeah, definitely. Um. I feel like if you play multiple sports, your athleticism is um through the roof. Um. You you see a lot of these pro athletes who played three, four sports in high school, and you know they're advanced. They're advanced at the league that they're playing in, and um. You know a lot of things that. You doing basketball can relate to the football football aspect, you know, um, hand eye coordination, um, vertical ability, jumping. So I feel like if you play multiple sports, just the athleticism you have and the amount of, I guess, mental ability to the game that you could. It's just you just if I feel like you need to play multiple sports to really understand all the concepts of each game. Yeah, that's. I feel like that's definitely something that's missing from. Uh, our culture. I know growing up, it was extremely common for for people to play multiple sports. And it seems like the more time is passing, the more uh, the youth is starting to get away from that. They're risking injury and things of that nature. But I mean, when you're when you're in that age, that age frame of middle school to high school, your body's probably at its healthiest point. You're less likely to get an injury at that age. So I feel like Playing multiple sports is definitely beneficial for people. And like you said, it's a lot of things that different sports can teach you about the sport that you're primarily focused on. As far as like you with football, like you're a wide receiver. Going up to high point, the ball is very similar to going up and grabbing a rebound at its highest point. Little things like that, I feel like they they don't really take advantage of. So that's definitely, I feel like, something that a lot of people should move toward. Now, Moving back to to your move to Myrtle Beach, what do you think was most beneficial for you? Like, how do you think you benefited the most from leaving Sakasti and going to Myrtle? Um, the probably just me getting noticed. Um, you know, Sakasti when I was there, I think our record was. I mean, for the two years I was there, it was, I think, three and like nineteen. So there really weren't a lot of college coaches coming in. You know, coming in to see me and I. They had me on defense the whole time. I thought I was going to be a defensive back in college, hopefully. So I played defense the whole time. <laughs> and my junior – yeah, going into my junior year, you know, I was I stayed at Sagasti in the spring, um, did the spring game. And in the spring, they decided to change the offense to the triple option. 
And I don't think I've seen a high school oh, and triple man. option since the 1900s. So I decided, <laughs> since I'm a, you know, I benefited as a receiver. I was just like, you know, this is a receiver does not need to be in triple option. So, you know, Myrtle Beach High School, they run an air raid offense. They going to get the receivers the ball. And I told myself, if I want to be um, talented at the next level, I need to I need to go ahead and work at being a receiver because I'm not going to get the ball in the triple option. Um, so, you know, probably the most thing I benefited just being able to actually get to learn the position more reps at it. Yeah, that's dope. I had no idea <laughs> that they were switching to the triple option. I uh, I knew that move for you was going to be beneficial, but I can't even imagine what would have happened if you would have stayed there and they decided to switch that. I mean, I you were a phenomenal D-back from the clips that I watched, so you would have probably got some looks that way, but I don't think it would have been anywhere close to the, the type of recognition that mm-hmm. you're getting now. Yeah, That's a fact. Sam, you up. Yeah, so um, what was it? Your the beginning of your sophomore year, you broke your collarbone. Yeah. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, what was it like fighting back from that and coming back from that injury? Like, was that it? was probably probably one of the most stressful, um, longest moments in my life. Just because you know I only played. I was looking forward to that season. You know I was going to start on both sides of the ball pretty much. Um, Third game in, I break my collarbone out for the season. So that that really that really took a toll on me. But I mean, like I was I was there at all the practice trying to be a, trying to be a leader. Only as a sophomore, we didn't have a lot of leaders on the team, so I tried to step up and talk. Um, you know, I did a lot. I did all the rehab, and I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I kind of rushed it because basketball season was coming up, and I was ready to get back into basketball. Um, but you know, but I did all the rehab, hopped into basketball a little too early. And, um, you know, I messed it up a little bit more while I played basketball. So, um, but, I mean, eventually, you know, I, I went to you – know, we got saw, saw a few doctors, um, did some more rehab, stuff like that. So, but, I mean, it's all good now. But that was just one of the longest, the hardest processes of my life just because I could I – had, I had no film. You know, I, I, these college coaches come in. They want to see me. They see my size. And they're like, hey, how how'd you do on the field in the games? I only got three games to show you, coach. I don't really got a lot of film. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, that was super hard. I can't, I can't even yeah, I can't. imagine. That's what I was about to say. The the worst injury I ever had in my playing careers was sprained ankles, and I I ain't never wasting, I ain't sitting no games for no sprained ankles. So I can't imagine really having to sit it down for the remainder of a season. I can't even imagine that. So especially i feel like especially in a in a time like that like your your sophomore year you said it was yep that's a pivotal time right there too cuz that's just when you're really starting to find your groove and find exactly how you can be instrumental to a ball club and just to shape the the two future years that sophomore year is very important so yeah i, I commend you for being able to bounce back from that but um all right, so for those who don't know, your dad, John Jones, was a standout football star as well. So how does that help motivate you? I feel like there would be some type of motivation there or drive there that would just be like, you know what? I know my dad made a name for himself, but I'm trying to make my own name. I got to be better than my dad so people know J.J. Jones. What? How does that help you? How is that a, a, a motivator for you? Yeah, that definitely motivates me. Um, you know, he talks all the time about his old VHS tapes of how he's going up <laughs> and scoring down 180-yard touchdowns here and there. 
But um, yeah, it it really motivates me just because you know when I go when I go back to um Charleston, you know I'm I'm not even known as JJ Jones. I'm known as John Jones' son. You know? so <laughs> right. That's 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 one of the biggest things. But you know he he motivates me every day because him and him and my brother. I just want to be better than both of them. I know it sounds you know, very arrogant, but I just want to. I I love the competition, and you know he says he's the best Jones in the family, but you know I'm I, I'm trying to go for the throne. And that's how I feel like that's the type of mindset that the great ones have. Like not I don't even consider that as you being cocky at all. I love that mindset because I feel like anybody that wants to be great is going to have to have that mindset. You're going to have to want to be the best, regardless if that means topping family or anybody else to get to that plateau of being the greatest. Like, I feel like that's the type of mindset that you should have. So, yeah, I'm I'm glad you got that outlook. I was expecting an answer like that from you. I'm glad that's the one I got. <laughs> Sam, you got another question? Uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, the WVU camp um, was pretty much basically your coming out party. Uh, can you talk to us about what that, what day, I mean, talk to us about that day at the camp and how much things changed since then? That, yeah, that's probably one of the most pivotal days um, this past year, just because um, all the camps prior that led up, led up to that camp, I went as a DB and, you know, my dad drew into my head, I'm going to be a safe, I'm going to be a corner while I go to college. And I just get the one thing. I was like, "Hey, Dad, let me let me just try receiver today. Just let me just see how it is." And you know, I go out there. I, I thought I performed really well, and just you know, I, I feel like I really did good in the one on ones. And I got offered into the camp, and I just told my dad, um, "I think I need to be a receiver now." But um, yeah, that was probably just that. That probably set it off right there because that 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 offer really, really you know, set all the other offers up. They really started rolling in. Because when you get when your very first offer is a Big Twelve Power Five offer, that that means that, that these that that team really wants you and that you are actually a really good player. Yeah, um, I don't know if you know or not, but we got a lot of WVU fans who listen to the show. Oh, and, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I had there was a few of them that was in my ear, and you know, try and get you to you know, sway. <laughs> yeah, like, like you know what he gonna do? Like you should, you should tell him he should cut. He's gonna look good in that blue and gold. Like they, they was pushing, and um, so yeah, I, I know they are a little tad bit disappointed, <laughs> but um, we ain't gonna spoil it just for anybody who don't know. We gonna, we gonna uh, wait for the end. Yes, of the interview to talk about that. Yeah. I, I definitely did not know that coming into that that day of that camp. You had not been looked at as a wide receiver, so you literally decided coming into that camp like that. I want to, I want to display what I can do a wide receiver. Like coming into that camp, they had no idea that you was coming there as a wide receiver. They thought it was just strictly as a D back, and you went out there and did what you did. Yeah, I mean, it was literally like a last minute decision right before I get to registration. I just told my dad, you know, I, I've been all, I've been, I played DB at all these camps. I haven't really been doing too well. The coaches think I'm an average guy. Um, I think I'm a pretty good athlete, and a lot of DBs I see so far are really small. Let me be a receiver today. And it, just, it just worked out. So. That's crazy. That's I feel like that's that's I mean that's a blessing when you really think about it. Because looking at your size and your stature, I mean you're the perfect wide receiver. And like you said, I mean you felt like that's what I mean. You're a good athlete, so nobody knows you like you. 
And the fact that you stepped up and decided, you know what, Dad, I want, I'm, I think I'm gonna go out here and I'm, I'm gonna show them that I can be a receiver today. That was a huge step for you and a very mature move at that too. Because I can't imagine me at that age, me playing a position and then deciding when I get to a camp that I want to try to play a different position just off the strength that I know I'm a good athlete, but I don't think I could have had the confidence to tell my dad, like, yeah, I think I want to go in here and I want to, I want to switch it up. I want to go here as a, as a receiver today. And that, that shit was extremely instrumental for you. Cause I mean, look at you now, like, yeah, like, yeah, like I, mean, I said, it was, it was real tough. Cause you mean, you know, we know John Jones, he's, he's very, he's very, <laughs> Tough guy. Sounds a hard conversation. Uh, that's exactly what I was going <laughs> to ask. What was that conversation like? Because I can hear you, Dad, Ooh. now. <laughs> Man, it was, it was a tough conversation. It was just, he, I mean, there were some words I probably wasn't able to tell. I mean, at the end of the day, he, 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 he took my words. He wanted, to, he wanted to know it was my decision, and he, was, he respected it. So that's probably the, probably the best move he made so far is he respected my decision. And, um, but you know, the conversation it was it was it was pretty normal. Just a normal conversation. I was just like, hey, you know, let me let me be a receiver today, Dad. You know, he had a few words and I just explained to him, you know, I've been to these camps, done this, done that, but let me just try it today. He said, You can try it one time. And thank God it worked. <laughs> That's dope. That's dope. Yeah, man, that finishes up my question portion. Cause I ain't really want I don't want to touch on my last question until the end of the episode. Like Sam said, we don't really want to spoil too much right now for those who don't know. Sam, did you have any other questions before we uh, switch gears? Uh, nah, my last question really was just basically leading into where he decided to go. All right. We going to hold it to the end of the whole episode or? It's, I mean, nah, we can go ahead and get out the way now. All right, so. What what did you look for in the program when you was when you was picking a school and you narrowed it down to your top five? Um, I based it into three different categories, pretty much. Uh, number one for me was education, because bottom line, I'm using my football abilities to go get a go get education, go get a degree. Um, and that that was probably the main thing. And then number two was probably just the comfort level of where I'm gonna be at, because that's gonna be my home for the next three to four years. So where I, wherever I'm gonna attend. I want to be comfortable there. I want to know that, you know, they're going to take care of me before, during, and after I'm at that college. And then number three was just the, the play style. Yeah, as, as a receiver, you want to go somewhere where you're going to get the ball. No receiver wants to go somewhere where you're going to block, you know, half the game. You want to go somewhere where you're going to get the ball, and there's going to be some good quarterbacks there. So that was probably – I based it on those, those three and those five schools that I had listed were probably they, – they fit the, that three criteria. That's that's tough. Um as far as making that decision, how difficult was it for you? Were there what other schools, or not even what other schools? You don't have to get particular, but what were some uh, some some things that you really thought about as far as this was concerned? Like, how tight of a race was this coming down to your decision? Um, I believe there was two schools that came, it came down to two schools, and then one school that didn't offer, but there was. Really, two schools that came down to it, but this is probably one of the most stressful things I've ever had to deal with. It was waking up in the morning, all these college coaches texting you, calling you, talking about let's get on the phone. So, I mean, that's what that's what COVID did pretty much. With, if there wasn't COVID, I probably wouldn't have got as many phone calls, um, you know, stuff like that. But with COVID, these coaches got nothing else to do, so all they can do is pretty much recruit. So, it was 
it was a really, really tight race when it came down to the last two. Yeah, I I can imagine it being extremely hectic with everything that's going on right now. I can I can imagine the coaches actually being, you know, we got to get him on the phone. We got to get him on the phone just because they know right now, like they're only able to recruit, as you said. But also with that being said, what students not necessarily being physically in school, there's a lot going on in their lives. They have a lot of downtime to actually think about their future. So with that being the case, I feel like a lot of coaches are like, we got to make sure we're in his ear. We got to make sure that he we're on his mind. So um, for those of our listeners who don't know, uh, you made your announcement here recently. Go ahead and let us know where you'll be attending next year and why you decided to join these guys as opposed to the other ones. Well, for the next three to four years after next year, I will be attending the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Um, I chose that school mainly because just I feel like I was, that was a perfect fit for me, you know, just educational-wise. Um, I, I thought about what, what school I'd go to if I didn't play football. And North Carolina just, is just a great school overall. I mean, they're, they're known worldwide. And um, just that quarterback room they have with Sam Howell being a potential Heisman candidate, Jacoby Criswell coming in as the, as the Arkansas Gatorade Player of the Year. And then the signee in my, in the in my class, Drake May, arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. It was just, I mean, why, why wouldn't a receiver not want to go there? That, that's a dream school for a receiver right now. And, and like they said, like they say on Sports Center all over the news, Mac is back and <laughs> Mac Brown is ready to, ready to take over the ACC. That's a fact, ma'am. Now, for those who don't know, Prior to your commit, they are currently right now, they haven't actually redone it since you decided, but they are currently number four. Their their recruiting class is number four in the nation. So what does that mean to you, like going into a situation that you know that this is a college, that you guys have recruited guys that are good enough for you guys to actually make a run at not only the ACC which has been owned by Clemson, but also a run at a national championship with the talent that you guys are getting ready to bring in. What does that mean to you? Um, like, I truly believe that this this class, um, for the 2021 class of the national championship caliber team, uh, if you look at the offensive side, we got Drake May, a quarterback. We got, you know, all these – we got two speedy receivers coming in, big old line. But, I mean, the defensive side for this class is just insane. Um, we've signed, I think, three three or three or four or five stars, bunch of four, bunch of five stars, bunch of four stars. And this is only – this is all North Carolina kids. They've, we've only signed – we've only signed two kids that are outside the state of North Carolina. So, I mean, they're very North Carolina-like. They want to build that wall around the state. But, I mean, just that class just looks like it's going to take over the um, college football world. That's a fact. Now, before we decide to switch here a little bit, I want to ask you one specific question. As I said, Clemson has owned the ACC these last few years. You being a South Carolina kid, what would it mean to you being on a team that could actually dethrone those guys from the ACC? How much would that mean to you? It would mean a lot to me. I mean, like I said before, Clemson, it's always been a dream school for me. But 
I mean, with the opportunity I had with North Carolina, it just it just seemed like the perfect fit. And being a South Carolina guy, like you said, it's either South Carolina or Clemson, but we all know it's Clemson. Clemson's the powerhouse of the state. You know, and you all you hear is Clemson this, Clemson that, Clemson national championship. So being having the ability to be able to take down pretty much one of the best teams of all time, one of the best powerhouse programs would just be – it would be a lot to me just coming from here, you know. But when I do go back to South Carolina, I'm going to hear a lot about it. <laughs> but, I mean, that's something, that's something, that's something I'm already um, used to. So That's a bit. I figured that. Now, let's switch gears. As we said, you're also – a, a phenomenal basketball player as well. So we want to get your take on some of this this basketball uh, stuff that we want to talk about. We're going to talk about some NBA and a little bit of NFL here too. But as far as the NBA is concerned, man, it was just announced that the league has plans to resume the season in July at the Disney Complex in Orlando. How do y'all think this will affect teams? We'll start off with Sam. Sam, how do you think – this will affect teams as far as this being held in Orlando at the Disney complex, as opposed to it being at the, the relatively home stadium of the, of, I guess of the relative teams. Well, um, for one, looking at it as a fan, I'm like, hell yeah, let's go. We got basketball. Back. <laughs> like I'm hyped. But I mean, as if I was a player, I don't know how I would feel. It'd be mixed emotions because obviously you want to play. That's number one. You obviously want to play. But at the same time, it's like we're going to just what are, we're just going to jump into the playoffs. Like what is like what is this circumstances going to be like? Like I seen something that said Dame Lillard saying he might not even play if he don't got a real chance. at making Yeah, that playoffs. was factual. He said, he too. So, I mean, like. That's I, that would be kind of like my my thing too. Like, what are we playing for at this point? Exactly, where are we starting? Especially from? if you're not on a contender. Like, especially if you're not on a contender. What are what is the risks? I mean, I mean, what's the reward of me playing the rest of the season? Yeah. Like, what? It, like, and then if I don't know, if I'm a, um on a contending team, then I'm looking at it like. All right, we we had chemistry rolling. Like if I'm the Lakers, I'm like, damn, we was rolling. Like we was looking like we was about to go ahead and win the championship. And now I feel like everybody back on the level playing field. Like it's back to whatever. I guess I don't know. Have they announced what? How did how it's going? Nah, they haven't. They haven't said any details yet. Uh, They've keeping that. They've kept that under wraps for the most part. And I figure they will keep that under wraps for a little longer. They may inform some of the players here and there. I'm sure, but. Uh, like you said, I feel like Dame's got a very valid point with his team and the Portland Trailblazers being on the outside looking in right now. Um, you got teams like the Grizzlies who are pretty much holding down that eighth spot. But, I mean, teams like the Pelicans and like like uh, the Trailblazers. I mean, it's hard to fathom what's about to go on. We don't know where the NBA is going to resume from. I can't imagine them starting from exactly where they started because if that's the case, then we're looking at the playoffs not starting for – until what, maybe like September, August, September, like that, that to me just wouldn't seem like it wouldn't seem ideal 
I feel like you want to try to get the season over as soon as possible just for the simple fact that if everything happens to go back to normal, you still want these guys to be able to to chill and spend time with their family and still have an off season. Because if you don't, how do you regulate starting the next NBA season if this season runs deep into the year? It's little things like that that confuse me. I figure, I feel like they have to take that into account as well. JJ, we want to get your take on it too. What? How do you think this is going to affect some of the teams? Um, I mean, like I said, I, I played there when I was little. I played at the um, Worldwide Sports Place, and it, it's pretty small. So scheduling-wise, like how many teams are going to play each day, you know, what teams are going to play throughout the week. Um, I mean, it's not, it's not really that big of a venue. I understand they're probably not going to have any fans there, but uh, like y'all said, my biggest my biggest question is where where are they gonna start at? I mean, like you said, playoffs wouldn't start till maybe September, so that's probably my biggest thing. Yeah, I I don't I don't know. I feel like they've got. I feel like like Sam said, it's extremely exciting just for them to let us know like it's here. We do have a plan, and you guys are going to get the rest of the NBA season. So obviously, we are hype about that. But there are a lot of question marks at this point now. What do it's some it's go ahead. It's some guys, it's some players who said they ain't touched the ball since this shit happened. Like if you don't have a basketball court at your you're house, in trouble. If you can't you can't work out or nothing. I mean you just I mean, you falling behind. It, it's crazy. I don't know. Like they I feel like it's gotta be some type of training camp or something. You even if they go and jump straight to the playoffs, you gotta do at least like a ten day training camp or something. You cannot ask guys to just Hop straight into playoff mode. Yeah, like that's that. not happening. Ain't no way. And I'm yeah. I'm glad you said that because I feel like the next talking point is which teams do you think I guess gained an advantage from this quarantine? Like you've got your teams, like you said, some of these players, role players, for instance, who are having phenomenal seasons, or guys who may not be franchise guys who don't have the money to actually have a basketball court at their crib. They let's say they were playing lights out throughout the year. Now all of a sudden we're looking at a completely different ball club if this player can't produce the way that they were producing throughout the year. So what teams do y'all think actually I would say gain an advantage from this? I'll I'll I guess I'll start first. I'll go out on a limb and say you got a team like the Lakers, who I personally feel like, yeah, they were rolling going in to uh, that stretch of the season. But I feel like they benefited from this because they have, out of all of the other powerhouses, they have the oldest superstar on their team in LeBron James. You have a guy like LeBron James that just got an extra three months, two to three months of rest, depending on exactly when they resume. Could be looking at three to four months of rest heading into the playoffs. Do you know how dangerous he's going to be after just resting? Like, he hasn't had to do anything. He's got a hoop court at his crib, so you better believe he's getting up shots and he's working out, but he's not having to strain his body by playing games and back-to-backs and traveling. He can sleep in his own bed. He can have his own nutritionist with him at all times, eat whatever meals he wants to, get healthy. It's like the offseason in the middle of the NBA season, and I feel like a team like the Lakers benefits from this tremendously. And I don't, I I don't want to say it, 
because I I don't feel like if this were the case, I don't feel like I don't know. I don't I don't think that this would be something that they would want to get out. But me being a hooper and me being a competitor, if I got a hoop court at my crib, my teammates are going to come over there. Like it, that's it's I'm you're going to get some shots up. It might not be frequently, but even if that means we got a uh Zoom call, Skype, whatever, work on some, uh, draw up some shit, work on some sets that hadn't been working throughout the year. You come over to the crib, we run it maybe once a week, once every two weeks, whatever. People are going to be coming over to my crib to get some shots up, especially some people that I know are going to be instrumental in our run to this championship. I'm pretty positive that some shit like that probably happened. Yeah. And, but what I was going to say, I was going to say that anybody, I mean, any team, who got a superstar can technically look at this as them gaining an advantage if you want to really, because I mean, any superstar getting rest, that's, that's a good thing. But one of the first teams that jumped to my mind that this might hurt would be a team like the Miami. That chemistry. Say the exact same thing. Yeah. Like you got a bunch of players who they was playing good together. They got role players who was shooting the ball real well. They was rolling. Like, now they done been off for two months, ain't been able to practice. You know what I'm saying? I feel like this that's the type of thing that would hurt a team like the Miami Heat. Um, I mean, it, it, it hurt the Jazz. Because now Donovan Mitchell won't fight Gobert. He don't even know if he might have gave Gobert the coronavirus. He don't even know, man. But it's cool because he about to get traded to the Warriors. Kill it. Kill it. Gobert can get to the Warriors. Kill it. Watch. JJ, what's what's your take on it, man? What's what's some teams you uh you think are were affected by this? Um, I was I was gonna come in and talk about the Jazz because we know that that organization's not looking too good right now. But um, like you said, the Lakers, the superstars they got on that team, like with LeBron and AD, you know, they at home training. Um, hopefully LeBron's done doing them doing them TikToks. So I'll be still training. <laughs> but, I mean, just the guys on that team, Caruso, he, the way he was producing throughout the season, I just feel like the role players they got are going to turn into some superstars when they get back. That may be the case. That may be the case. And – I, I talked about LeBron, but I also want to piggyback on a guy like Anthony Davis and how pivotal it is for him to have rest right now. It's been said throughout his career that he can't stay on the court because he's been injured. Now he's got extra time to rest his body and heading into the playoffs. And I mean, he's been relatively injury free for this season. So with him not having to risk any type of injury thus far, and then on top of that, getting rest right before the biggest stretch in the league. Like, it's, I mean, I feel like that's extremely beneficial for him as well. Um, but yeah, I, one team that I feel like this might affect, you guys definitely touched on the two major teams as far as the Heat and the Jazz. Definitely the Jazz because now you were playing great ball. Now all of a sudden you got chemistry issues because of some shit that happened because of COVID. So that's automatically a wrench that's thrown in. But another team to me is a team that's holding down that eighth slot is the Grizzlies because they have a lot of youth on that team. We don't know. It's already, for one, it's already difficult 
for young players to adjust to playing 82 games as to playing 26 throughout um, college. Now, all of a sudden, you're back in the college mode. You've got a lot more free time on your hands. Granted, you can't do everything that you would like to do, but there's a lot of free time on your hands now. How do we know that they're eating correctly? How do we know that they're taking care of their bodies as far as uh, nutritionists or working out as hard as they should work out? Because, I mean, if you're at your own crib and you just chilling, like I don't feel like you're getting that 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 – that workout that you need, like you, what you was about to say, they play in that they game play exactly. They play the war zone, bro. <laughs> exactly, you got a lot of that going on, and job working I, out though. I, I, I was going to say he's one that you do not have to worry about. I feel like he's. Yeah, he could spend the whole quarantine chilling in a crib and come out there and be ready to produce. It's the other guys around him that I feel like are going to be. I guess hurt a little bit by this. You got your your, your bigs like Jaron Jackson Jr. and guys like that that I'm not necessarily sure will put forth that effort that needs to be put forth in order for them to be as successful as they hope to be. And you got your guys like Dame who he likes shit. Y'all give us a chance. We getting in these playoffs. They know what it takes to get there. This young team it's a lot that you're losing out on with not being able to be around your team or be in that uh, facility or that environment. Once you guys come back together, who's to say that that glue is going to fit the same way that it did prior to all of this happening? So that's definitely a team that I feel like is is not necessarily in danger, but they're they're on the watch as far as being a team that, depending on when they resume, they might they might struggle a bit coming back. But, um, yeah, man, before we get off the NBA, I want to get y'all's thoughts on the last dance, man, and what y'all thought about that. Uh, we'll start with you on this one, JJ. What were your thoughts on the last dance? And overall, I want to get your take on just Jordan as a whole, because I see a lot of people that are that are from your generation or from your age range that look at Jordan a little differently than the older generation does. So, First off, I want to get your take on Jordan as a player, and then we'll move into what your thoughts were about the last dance. Yeah, when you think of my generation, you know, everyone thinks LeBron's better than Jordan. But just just from watching that documentary, it showed that the, the dog mentality that Jordan had was just top-notch. You, you, you could just tell. He, he, like Roy Williams said, he had that switch, and he just never turned it off. But um, I could definitely tell that he's – He's definitely the greatest of all time. And just, um, you know, he's very, he got very underrated defensive player. I know he got defense player of the year, but a lot of people don't talk about how his defense was just insane. But, I mean, that's the, probably the biggest thing for me is just that, um, you know, a lot of people my age didn't think that Jordan was all that. But I think that that documentary really proved him wrong. Yeah, I agree. I agree, definitely. Um, like you said, a lot of people didn't really – you don't really uh... – when you when you hear Jordan, you think of the highlight dunks and and the uh, the clutch moments and the fadeaway jump shot. But like you said, not too many people talk about his defense. It was said at one point in time that he didn't play good enough defense. So then he went out and led the league in steals, and that wasn't enough. And he became the defensive player of the year, and he had nine first team All Defensive selections. So that just goes to show you right there. I mean, I mean. <laughs> Is it is what it is. He, we know him for his offensive ability, but 
also on the opposite end of the court, he was that same killer. And that just goes to show that balance that he had in his game. That there really weren't flaws in his game. And just to touch on the last dance, for me, it was beautiful to watch, man. Because it's like, yeah, we know a lot about Jordan's team and his last ring, but we didn't know a lot of the stuff, a lot of the turmoil that was going on within that dynasty and the behind the scenes and just Jordan's personal relationships with certain people and the way that he approached certain things, just little things as far as him making up stories about guys to help him get an extra drive or extra push to dominate them the way that he, he should. Like, it's just, that is what stood out most to me. Sam, what was your take on the last dance? Uh, my favorite thing about it was um, how everybody always talk about how Jordan didn't play nobody in the finals or whatever or whatever like that. So I like how they showed what he went through to even get mm-hmm. to the finals in the first place, like in the Eastern Conference playoffs, like how many times he almost lost the series before they even got there and he had to win a, a um, big game six and go crazy or had to hit a big shot to win in the series. Like, it was just, like, the stuff that people never talk about. I feel like um, LeBron probably played his toughest opponents in the finals, and I think that Jordan usually played his toughest opponents on the way to the finals. But I feel like I feel like overall I think they played about equal equal teams. I mean, Jordan beat the most 60-win te- teams in playoffs in the NBA history. You know what I'm saying? Like, he just – I don't know. I, I just like how they finally just broke it down, especially that Knicks series, like how they was about to lose that series. They're down 0-2, you know. Like, nobody ever talks about that. You just talk about that he just beat Charles Barkley in the finals. And right. Easy. Like they don't, and, and another thing that people don't talk about is that 2-3-2 format. Like yes, that had a lot that, to know? do with stuff, man. In the finals. Yes, like them them game when you was up three one, them game fives were right. extra pivotal because if you if you lost game if you lost game five, you going on the road. Got to win the. I mean, yeah, you yeah. on the road, up three two. You got win, but you got two away games left. Like that shit was different, yo. That it, it made it made the middle of the playoffs must win games, especially if you was the home team because. I feel like it was harder to win the playoffs as the with that format <laughs> with home court advantage. Yeah, <laughs> with, with home court yeah. advantage. Because if you the if you the road team, you still won on the road. Then you got three exactly. straight home games exactly. in the middle. Like that shit. Yeah, people don't talk about that two three two format. When did that switch? Because what was that like? It, it was in the two yeah. thousands, wasn't it? It ain't. It went. It switched. Um. It probably has. Yeah, been it's a been a little while, but it was uh it was uh I want to say somewhere around like oh what was it oh because bronze bronze first finals was two that might have been the last ways. year because yeah because yeah now nah, it was later than that because yeah when Kobe played against the uh the Celtics in the finals that second time. It was two three two. It was yeah. Two, yeah, people don't talk about that. That format was kind of bogus for <laughs> real. That's kind of bullshit. <laughs> That's a fact. 
I'm glad they did switch that though, but for real that but that's why ain't nobody really never um come back from down three one. That shit was hard. You gotta win them three rows. That's yeah, a fact, man. but yeah, man, just to piggyback off what you said, like I, I I don't think that a a lot of light was shined on Jordan's journey to getting to where he was at. Like a lot of the stuff that Jordan had to face, the adversity that he had to face, a lot of other players don't have to face that, man. It's not like people aren't this NBA that you're playing in now, you can't make a pact to where your team does not let this player get off at all costs. Could you imagine the league now? Exactly. They gonna call it the, the league now saying, fuck it. LeBron come through the lane. I don't care who it is. Three of y'all niggas take him out the air at all costs. I don't care if it's clipping his <laughs> leg. I don't care if it's snatching him out the air. Like, niggas is going to be like, oh, the NBA to turn into wrestling. <laughs> like, they're going to go crazy. Yeah. They're going to go crazy. Niggas was actually doing that to Jordan. And you know what Jordan did? Jordan did not complain. Jordan was not that type of guy that's like, oh, something got to change. We gotta, we need some rules put in place. That nigga went and got in the weight room. It was like, nigga, yeah. try me now. Try to knock me out the air now. Just like JJ said, that, that type of heart or that type of will to win, you don't come across that. That's unmatched. You have not seen that, man. I don't think it I don't think an athlete in any sport ever has touched Jordan's I will agree. to win. I feel like I, I don't I don't know what documentary I was watching, but some writer said Jordan wants to that win is more so true, and that that's shit is really like it's a fact, bro. Like that's all he want to do. He don't care what it is. He just want to win, dog. Like that's all he care about. Whatever he got to do to do it, that's, that's what he's going to do. I'm winning this damn whatever we doing game match whatever. Like he just that it, it, it's crazy. But I mean, yeah, he, he soiled a lot of yeah. That's a fact. That's a fact. that's definitely a fact. But. I mean, it just I mean, the documentary just it drove that home even more too when you think about it, because it wasn't just his opponents like it was niggas that was on his team with him. That was like, yeah, I didn't like you. I just flat out didn't like him. And niggas was just like, shit. Yeah, we got into some fist fights at practice. Like he he he, he put Steve Kerr smack in the face like (laughs) I mean, but he. Once he calmed down, he apologized and everything. But it's just that once he got into that frame of mind, Jordan wanted to win at all costs. Just like he said, he felt like Phil was cheating, and this was practice. Like, this is just practice. And he felt like he was being cheated. Do you remember what he remember what he did to that team in Italy? Hell in yeah. the exhibition, man? Like, no superstar about to do that in the summertime right. these days, bro. Jordan gave them he gave them Michael Jordan. Like, I'm here. I don't care if y'all overseas. Straight or not, up. I'm here. We getting this done. Straight up. It's just. Ain't no NBA. Yeah, Mike was just different. And it, it it was a lot of his abilities. More of it was like mental, man. What took him to the next level. Yeah, it was his, it was his mental that just took him over the next and level. And I think. Like, Go ahead. That's what they say. Don't talk to Mike. Because you see, you say it's everything to him, like, this is a good game. <laughs> he lied. And said, <laughs> Made the whole story up. Talking yeah. about him. Yeah, just 
Like, don't say nothing to him at all. Just don't even talk to him because he's going to use it for motivation somehow. And I think a lot of the times, man, you got that whole Kobe Jordan comparison. I think a lot of people didn't really grasp the concept of that. It wasn't necessarily – yeah, their games were extremely similar, but it was that mindset too because it's – every time that I hear about that – People like just don't say nothing to Jordan, bro. I think about that story that Kobe told when Kobe was a fucking, I want to say either a rookie or it was his second year in the league when one of his teammates was like, bro, whatever you do, don't look him in the eyes. And Kobe's response was, he better not look me in the eyes. I'm that same animal. And this is before Kobe was even Kobe. So I feel like that comparison came a lot from that mindset. Just like you said, a lot of this shit was mental. And I feel like that's what separates certain greats from the reg- the rest of the playing field. It's just at all costs, I'm going to do whatever it takes to mentally prepare myself to be able to outlast you. My uh, my ability as far as talent is concerned is going to get me there, but it's my mentality that's going that's can't be matched. Anybody can match skill set. You can go out here and work on your skills. You can't necessarily put yourself in that frame of mind to where Jordan was. Like that shit is just crazy to me. But yeah, man, let's let's switch that's gears real. a little bit. Let's talk NFL before we get out of here, man. We uh NFL should be. It's looking like it's probably going to start on time uh, with everything slowly opening back up. But we saw probably one of the, um, I guess for lack of a better word, most um, unique drafts of all time with everything being done virtually. Uh, No players were in contact with anybody. Nobody shaking no commissioner's hands no no uh nobody walking up on the stage no none of that nobody getting too fly and you know taking all of the pictures and all of that it was just a very different as far as the NFL draft was concerned so i want to ask y'all what were some of the best and worst uh draft picks or just overall drafts that we saw from teams. I'll start off. Um, best draft. Um, I'm trying not to be biased. Obviously, I'm going to lean toward my boys, but outside of the Cowboys, I think the Jaguars had a really good draft. Um, they filled some holes that definitely needed to be filled. Um, who else? It was somebody else. I want to say the Buffalo Bills, maybe. I can't quite remember. I don't got my notes in front of me, but I think it was the Bills. Uh, as far as worst draft, um, it wasn't close for me. The worst fucking draft was the Green Bay Packers, and I don't know <laughs> what the fuck they was on, but Aaron Rodgers was just on a podcast a few days before the draft was even concerned, and I can't remember what podcast it was, but they asked him straight up, like, What's something that you would like to see your, your team go out here and do as far as this draft is concerned? What what are some moves that you would like for them to make? And Aaron Rodgers, being Aaron Rodgers, was straight up. Like, I mean, it would be nice for us to go out here and draft some skill positions. We haven't drafted one in 15 years. Uh, I mean, let's just call a, a spade a spade. It is 
I mean, it, it's it's proof if you go back and look at the previous draft since Aaron Rodgers has been there. They have never drafted a skill position. They haven't drafted a skill position, a skill player since he's been there. So as a quarterback, do you know how hard it is for you to be as dominant as Aaron Rodgers has been without drafting a skill position? Not only are they not drafting skill position players uh, in the first, I want to say it was like the they haven't had one drafted in the first two rounds or something like that. But um, with that being the case, you're also not even pulling in huge name free agents either. So that's making it super tough. And what do the Packers go out and do? They go out and draft a skill position in the first fucking round, and it's a fucking quarterback. <laughs> like, that's the biggest slap yeah, in man. the face that you could possibly do to a guy like Aaron Rodgers. Like, that's nasty to me. I'm not saying don't go out and draft a quarterback because you got to look towards your future. You have to. But how disrespectful is it with multiple uh, skill players on the board that you know that could help you out next year? You go out and get a quarterback that's not going to play next year, clearly, unless something happens to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I I just can't fathom drafting a guy like and that's not to take down from Jordan Love because he's going to be a good quarterback I like Jordan Love a lot and he can learn a lot from Aaron Rodgers but I'm just not I don't that wasn't the right move man you don't go out and do that you don't do that to a guy like Aaron Rodgers man that was real nasty as far as I'm concerned so Green Bay is definitely at the top of my list as having a worse draft grade period Sam what was your take what were some teams that you think did well at the draft and I guess didn't do as well as well well, you know, I'm always <laughs> disappointed in my Rams draft. And y'all lost girly. I mean, I mean, what are we doing? That's all I want to know. Like, what are we doing? You're damn right you do. You're damn right. You're damn right you do. And I've been, I've been all over my cousin for some and, tickets down there. I've been all over it for it. But we play on L.A., don't we? Yeah, we about to spoil that yeah, opening. But man, I don't, I don't know what we doing. And then, I mean, I hate it when I got to give the Cowboys props, but y'all got fucking y'all still got y'all on the draft, dog. What was CD Lamb still yeah. doing there? Yeah, yeah. What is he doing on the board, man? Man, that was <laughs> damn. <laughs> that was supposed to be us, bro. Like. Well, I don't, I don't know, man. I can't even say that our draft was bad because I don't know. That, 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 well, hey, that tells you a lot, but, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. That's what I'm saying. Like, damn, like it's. Oh, man, it's I ain't, I'm not looking forward to the NFL, as you can tell. <laughs> I can't wait, bro. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. JJ, what was some 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 top things that you saw? Some top players that you saw picked, or some guys that 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 you think could have went higher, anything like that? What was your overall? Take yeah, I'm a Raiders draft? guy, so um, I think we did good in the draft. Um, you know, picking up Henry Ruggs, number twelve. That was a big big, big pickup for us, and um, you know, Brian Edwards. He him being maybe a mile away from my high school. I feel like they were the sleep, sleeper team of the draft. You know, they got a lot of good players they drafted. But like you said, the worst, I would have to say the Rams. They did really, really bad. They did really yeah, bad. Did. And I was a Rams fan for a little bit. 
But I had to take it and just look, and I was just looking at the players they picked. And like Sam said, I don't know any of these guys, and I've watched college football a lot. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a struggle in Los Angeles. It's I, I, I'm not quite sure where y'all are headed right now. They're going to have to take a huge step. Unless he's going to have to leave my home. Hey, I, I – I hope he do. Don't get it twisted. Out I hope here. he didn't pull it off. Because it seems like we all, it seems like nope. we all in. Yeah, well, he's not, not that like guy. <laughs> he's not that guy. Um. Uh. Yeah. I. I like. I like what the Raiders did this year too, as well as far as their draft is concerned. My biggest question mark for them is, what's going to go on with that quarterback position, man? Because I just, I'm. I'm just not a believer in Carr. I'm not. I'm not even going front. I'm not a believer at all, but uh, yeah, getting a guy like Henry Rugg sure will help. That's for damn sure. Um, y'all got some quality defensive players too that y'all needed to pick up. Um, uh, I want to get y'all's take as far as these quarterbacks are concerned that we're taking in the draft, man. Joe Burrow went number one overall, and then you had your guy Tua uh, that went, what was that, fourth overall to the Dolphins. Um if both guys stay healthy, who do y'all think has the better career? JJ, starting with you, do you think Tua has a better career or Joe Burrow has a better career? If both guys can uh, get to get to, I guess the the highest level of health um, and stated. probably I'd have to go with Joe Burrow just because the offense he's in. I feel like he's a perfect fit for that offense. Um, I mean, no, no slack to Tua. He's also a great player, but just the way that Joe Burrow produced in college, I know it's hard to go from college to NFLs two totally different playing fields, but. Just the way that Joe Burrow carries himself and the way that he played, I feel like his game's going to transition really well. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Sam, who you got? Oh, man. <laughs> you know I'm rocking with Tua. I knew it. I you know, knew that's it. My, that's my dog. But I think that Tua has – I just think that his his mo, his mobility mm-hmm. – How's he doing with his hip part. injury, though? He – he can really. Oh, okay. Well, we talking about if they if they both healthy. So if they both healthy, I, I gotta rock with Tua. Tua, I feel like he he can do a lot of things that Russell Wilson does, um, and he can he can just hurt you with his legs. I mean, I know Joe Burrow's not like a standstill guy. I know he's pretty mobile as well, but I feel like at the end of the day, you're not scheming for Joe Burrow's running abilities, and I feel like. In a in an offense where they letting Tua run the rock, that, really that's a fact. His feet. But I mean, you ain't gonna you ain't gonna let him probably do too much of that if he's. I mean, in real life, probably because he always gonna be hurt. But I mean, we talking about them both staying healthy for their whole career. Yeah, like, injuries <laughs> cut off. I mean, I got. I, gotta I go think with Tua, man. Go ahead. But I mean, Joe Burrow is starting off with a superstar caliber wide receiver. So and they picked yeah. up T. Higgins. Still there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a hell of a. I mean, it's a hell of a guy to be starting out with. Granted, um, Dolphins yep. got Devontae Parker, right? So I mean, that's a pretty good receiver as well. He ain't AJ Green, but I mean, yeah, I got. I, gotta go I think I gotta go for me. Uh, the biggest takeaway is a lot like Sam said, that mobility is going to it's gonna play a factor. We saw Joe Burrow be mobile in college, 
but it's a whole different ball game in the NFL. You got D tackles chasing you down in the league. They're, they're the supreme athletes of the sport. So the way that Joe Burrow was able to elude a lot of guys in college, I don't see that happening as frequently in the NFL, but I think that Joe Burrow's detail uh, or his, I guess his, his focus on detail to actually want to be as good as he wants to be and just being as precise as he is as a quarterback is going to lead him a long way. I think that he's going to have a very, very, very strong NFL career, especially early on. Because like we say, he's coming into a situation where he's got guys that he can make plays for. We're being honest, Cincinnati was what? A quarterback away from making runs the last two years. And he's got a guy in the backfield in Joe Mixon who toward the end of the year seemed to be getting his getting it, getting it together. And now that he has a quarterback, that can actually throw it is going to open up a lot for him as well. So that's a good situation to be in. But as far as both quarterbacks are concerned, I just think that two is a, a better, uh, he's a better talent at the end of the day. Um, I just, I'm nervous about the situation that he's going into because I don't necessarily know uh, where the dolphins are, are going as far as this team is concerned, the way that it's constructed. I don't know what direction they're going in. Got to get him some protection, definitely, especially with his injured, uh, I guess as injured as he has been throughout his college career. But, yeah, if we're going both quarterbacks on the board and I'm trying to figure out which one will have the better career, injuries turned off, I'm going Tua as well. Um, he's just, man, when Tua is on, he's on. Tua's biggest issue is – Outside of injury, his biggest issue is having too much confidence in himself. He'll make some throws that he knows that he shouldn't make, but he'll try to make it anyway just because he knows how good of a quarterback he is. I think in the NFL, he's going to learn very quickly that you cannot do that. You cannot force throws anywhere. Anything that you think might be there, if you're not for sure that you can make this pass right here, right now, he's not going to make it. And I think that he'll learn from that. I believe that Nick Saban uh, prepared him to actually be ready to go. This is the first time that I feel like Nick Saban has had a quarterback that's actually had a shot at being something special in the NFL. And I think this is when it's going to show just how how uh, how much of a genius he is when it comes to preparing players for the league. We see what the receivers have done. We see what the running backs have done. We see what the linebackers has done. He has, I mean, he, he's prepared every possible position for the league. Once they get to the league, they're ready. And I don't think it'll be any different with Tua. So, um, I like Tua in that situation. Um, what were y'all's thoughts on Tom Brady's decision to go to Tampa Bay? Me personally, I was surprised. Um, I thought that there were other destinations that that could have uh, that were a little more appealing than Tampa Bay. But I mean, you got sunny weather, the Super Bowls, and Tampa Bay this year, and I think that's what really played the 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 biggest role is that no team. No quarterback has ever led his team to the Super Bowl when the Super Bowl is in their own hometown. And I think that w- that had a lot to do with it. Um, but, yeah, it surprised me. Sam, what was your take on that? Yeah, it surprised me, too. I was like, right. Tampa Bay? Like, but I mean... Dang. I mean, you just... I feel like I feel like you look into the other Tennessee. situations that I thought were a little better for him. Um... 
I don't necessarily think that I think that he he knew his ace in the hole was that he had Gronk on the line and was like wherever I go I can bring Gronk with me. And he looked at a situation where he could bring Gronk in and Gronk don't got to do too much. And I feel like Tampa Bay was perfect for that. You got two wide receivers that are studs that showed this past year that they can ball with Jameis Winston. You throw in a Tom Brady and you throw in a Gronk that's going to take attention off of those guys. Now you got a very deadly offense. To go along with a defense that was already pretty to- pretty talented. So I think that And to go along with it. Uh, uh, I knew that was so, coming. I knew that was coming. From there, not sold. From not land. sold. Yeah. <laughs> not sold. But <laughs> yeah, I think that once you see the bigger picture of how everything came together, it was a good decision, but I guess when it happened, yeah, I was extremely yeah, I was shocked. shocked. JJ, what mean, was your take? I've been a Patriots fan, so that, that hurt me. But um, when, you, when you think about the fact that he moved, <laughs> uh, with, you know, like you said, with him bringing in Gronk, you know, they got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, a receiver. And um, I just feel like it, it's actually a good fit. I think it's better than um, him going to the Chargers personally. But other than that, I think it was good. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. Um, all right, so before we get out of here, um, two more questions, man. First and foremost, should Dallas be worried that a Dak deal is not complete? Me personally, I'll take this obviously since I'm a Cowboys fan. Um, no, Dallas should not be worried. Um, there, the only discrepancy that's going on with this deal is not money. Um, it's none of that. The The problem is duration. The Cowboys want to sign Dak for uh, five or six years. Uh, Dak wants to sign for four or less. Four is actually the max that Dak will want to sign for because he knows that the money is going to go up for players around that time. So he wants to be negotiating a deal around the time where his money can be at the peak. So, I mean, that's a smart move from his standpoint, and he seems to be standing on it because the Cowboys offered to make him the second-highest-paid quarterback in the NFL with some incentives. But he turned it down because it was not only more years than he wanted, but also I feel like they said he had some issues with the incentives that were in there. But, yeah, regardless, I don't think Dallas should be worried just yet. I mean, it, it's starting to get close to the time, so they might not have to panic just yet, but they're going to have to make some moves. Um, Sam, what's your take? I think y'all should panic just because <laughs> you know who your general manager is. But that's the thing. When has a player not been paid under Jerry? We saw Jerry do this with Zeke. We saw him do it with Emmett. He's done it in the past. So, I mean, it's not nothing new. But he really got something to he got something to stand on with, with Dak, though. Because even though his numbers say he is, well, Dak's not the quarterback his numbers tell you he is. <laughs> I don't care what you say. He's not. He is. His numbers tell you that he, he's been. And he has. The past couple of years. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not sold on why, that bullshit whatsoever. <laughs> just not. What, why aren't you sold? <laughs> I'm just not. 
what what is keeping what you, you from being sold on it? Like he showed year in year out that he's that guy. I'm not saying Dak's the best quarterback in the league or anything like that, but he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I'll definitely say Dak is a top seven quarterback in the NFL, maybe top five, but I'm going I'll go top seven just to be yeah. safe. Uh, I can't name nine other quarterbacks better than that. I can't. I just, I don't know. I'm just not a Dak fan, and and <laughs> a lot of that might be that damn right. It is. He gets a I lot of flack know. for that. But but another thing though is just like in the big moments, he just he what. He led, he, he, just he, cost, he, just he led the NFL in game-winning touchdown drives the last two years. What are you I'm, talking about? I'm, to, I'm talking about like in the playoffs and or in the games that you got to win to make the playoffs in those type of games. He balled. The Where only playoff he? game that he's had that took us to the brink was the nah. fucking Packers. And we went – that bro. was the defense. L, he let bro. us down the game-winning touchdown drive. And what happened? L, Aaron Rodgers threw that bullshit-ass pass all the way across the field to his tight end, and they beat us on a field goal. But Dak has shown that he he can make those make those things happen. But I don't know. I mean, I, I think Dak's biggest problem is his decision-making sometimes. He can definitely throw – he throws it to the other team a lot. But outside of that, I, I like what he does. I'm I'm extremely confident in my quarterback. He's a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. See y'all. If Jared Goff can go to the quarterback, if oh, Jared Goff can go to the Super Bowl, you tell me that can't? Not yet. Has because he? he had fucking Jason fucking Garrett. All right, Jason yeah, fucking Garrett. Don't be bringing yeah, Goff we into are this. Now, we about you want to talk shit about that? Go. Golf already then got his, his yeah. Uh, well, he gonna have to put the bitches up in the closet man. and keep them there because he ain't gonna see it again. That nah, bullshit. Yeah, we are. All right. What's your take on it, JJ? Right. You think Dallas should be worried um, about this contract nah, situation really with that? that? You know, Dak, he's a really good quarterback, and just I mean the the money he's asking for, little absurd. But I mean, Dak's not. He's not going there. He's not going anywhere else. He's gonna be a cowboy. <laughs> I agree. I think it, I think it'll get worked out sooner or later. But before we leave, man, why is Cam Newton not signed yet? Sam, you take this one first. I don't got no answer. I don't. I have no answer at all. I don't. I swear to God, I'm sitting here about to say I have no idea. And like, why is he not still the Panthers quarterback? That's the, like, can we answer I'm that? Getting, like, I'm what, getting, what happened uh, there? I'm getting Colin Kaepernick vibes here, not necessarily for the way that uh, for the way that Colin uh, handled himself as far as the kneeling is concerned. I think it's more of they want to control Cam and they can't. I think it's a lot of that. And I think once the Panthers basically wash their hands with it, we've seen the NFL do this. We know that there are plenty of quarterbacks that have been in situations to where they are clearly better than a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL, but for some reason they don't have jobs. Um, ironically enough, it's always a black quarterback, but we're not going to make it that right now. Um, but, yeah, man, there's no there's no reason why, for one, like you said, he's no longer the Panthers quarterback, and for two, 
He's nobody's quarterback right now. Like, it just don't make sense to me. Uh, JJ, do you have most, any you know, I played insights? against him, played against the 7-on-7 seven seven team. A lot of people think he's arrogant, but he is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, so he should be signed somewhere, bottom line. Regardless, regardless of who fact. he is outside outside the fact. stadium, he's, he's, he's a good quarterback. That's a fact. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, how – there's not Bro, I can run off probably it's there. what thirty-two teams in a league. Adrian, I can run off boom. probably what twenty. Twenty that he can play for. Yeah. He's easily fact. at least a top twenty quarterback in the league. And that's just that's just without me even trying to exactly. even put up a debate to put him any higher. He's without even without question, he's that's a top a twenty quarterback in the NFL. It just I don't know, man. It doesn't make much sense to me. I can't wrap my head around it, but I hope that Cam finds himself on somebody's roster prior to the season starting just so he can show everybody, look, I'm here. Ain't nothing changed. I mean, we it comes to a point where you gotta stop being disrespectful, man. This is a a, a, a MVP. Like, he's not that many years removed from winning an MVP. He's not that many years removed from leading his team to the Super Bowl. He's not that many years removed from being an elite quarterback. Like, I just don't understand where the where this misconception came about that he doesn't belong in the NFL because he clearly does. And That's what don't make sense. You game. see what a nigga like Lamar just did? <laughs> Open that shit up and let Cam run the ball and put him in the right system. You won't be able to get similar, not the same, because you can't duplicate what Lamar does, but similar results. Like, it's going to be very similar. <laughs> It'd be a damn right. It's some D-backs that's not going to want to run up against that. And he's shown that throughout his whole career, but yeah, man, it just don't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all. I'm I'm hoping I'm me being a Cam Newton fan. I've been a Cam Newton fan for some time now. I just I don't know. I hope to see him on somebody's roster because I just don't think that it's right for him not to be. But yeah, man, that pretty much wraps it up for this episode. I do want to give a special, special, special thanks to J.J. Jones for joining us, man. Was there anything you wanted the listeners to know or anything you wanted to say Go, before we got up out of here? <laughs> Go, I knew it. I knew it. At least that. If nothing else, it's got to be that. Um, I believe uh, Sam and your cousin GK, uh, we were in a group chat and they was talking about it. They said, we are Tar Heel fans for at least the next four years. And you can add me to that list as well. With me actually living in North Carolina, man, you better believe I'm going to be at a lot of them games, man. I'm going to be at a lot of them. But before we get there, we got we to gotta make sure you bring home the state championship this year for Myrtle, man. Got to make sure that that's, that happens. But... Yeah, man, signing out.